0: Well, to begin our time together, in this new stage of our journey here at, uh, at 1708 Baltimore in the crossroads of our downtown, we wanted to begin our time listening. You see, it's not without coincidence that in the book of James, he writes to an early church and says, be quick to what? To listen and slow to speak. In every healthy community... We always open our ears before we open our mouths. We're always listening before we're acting. And to do that, and in light of that wisdom, we've invited some of the five greatest leaders I know in our city um, to come and to speak to us, to speak truth into us, and also to learn about what they're doing, how we can be good neighbors. And so I want to introduce a couple of these folks to you. First off, we've got Martin. Martin who's with the Community Outreach and Volunteer Manager at the Jewish Vocational Services, just a block over. It's a pleasure to have you here with us, Martin. We have Harlan Brownlee uh, from the Arts Council of Metropolitan Kansas City. He's the President and CEO, um, so it's a pleasure to have you here with us, Harlan. And then also Tommy Wilson. He's the Urban Planning Manager at the Downtown Council of Kansas City. Also, such a great joy. I mean, I I started this out, so i got to keep going, right? Um, And now we have uh, also, we have Dean Johnson. He is one of the co-founders, as well as one of the two executive team leaders at the new charter school here in our downtown Crossroads Academy, doing amazing things. And then last, but certainly not least, we have Susie Aaron, um, who is the president of the Crossroads Community Association here in our Crossroads District of the downtown Um, these are phenomenal leaders and we're going to be asking them two questions. So friends, I want to ask you these two questions. These aren't surprises. I've emailed them, so it's like, wait a second, what are they going to be? Um, I want to ask you, how are you and your organization seeking the welfare of our city? And then secondly, as a new church in this new space, how can we be good neighbors? How can we be good neighbors? And there's actually a wireless mic And Susie, would you mind snagging that? And since you've got the mic, I mean, would you (laughs) start us off?
1: (laughs) Well, welcome to the community. Um, Although this is a new space for all of us, and really a wonderful one for all of us, I've known about you guys for a couple of years now. And we have very, very excited that you've chosen the Crossroads community. Um, How to be good neighbors. Um, You guys already are, and our organization is an organization of owners and tenants in our very eclectic community, so um, I see some familiar faces. Um, It seems like about almost a year ago, we decided to do a trash pickup. Now, I mean, (laughs) what better way to get to know your neighborhood than to pick up the trash, and uh, several of you were involved with that, and we really had a good time getting to know each other and... Uh, trying to assess what we need to do for our neighborhood. And so I think the collective effort of talking about it, Mm. listening, and sharing with all of us who have a common goal, which is to make a better community for all of us, clean, safe, and Mm. through communication. Our organization tends to do that, and we know we'll be working with you a lot on... um, continuing to do that, so I'm, I'm really happy. I'm not sure that's um, exactly what your uh, question had in mind, but I'm very grateful that you already jumped in even before you even had a space to find, so I mean, how much more can you ask of a community <laughs> that first accepted it up here, and now we have, have a space where we can sit here? Mm. Um, anyway, I, I'm delighted to, to uh, have a chance to be with you. I hope I get to know you all. I encourage you to get involved with our community. It's really a fun community. It's very eclectic, as you all already know, and I'm sure we'll be working together.
2: Thank you.
3: Thanks, Susie. Thank you, Gabe. Thank you all for having us, for having uh, me here today, for welcoming us. Uh, I'm with Crossroads Academy, and we are a charter school serving students, ultimately serving students in grades kindergarten through 8th grade. We are located at 10th and Central, and we've just finished our first year. And in that first year, we had students in grades kindergarten through 5th grade, and we'll be growing up from there. So our 5th graders will stay with us uh, until they graduate from 8th grade. So in this coming year, which will be our second year, we'll have students in uh, grades kindergarten through 6th grade. We had 190 students in our first year, and we'll have 230 students this coming year. So everybody moves up, and then we add 40 new kindergartners. So we're a growing community as well. We'll eventually have 370 students when we come to full capacity. So our mission is to prepare students to excel in high school by providing uh, an academically rigorous K-8 through education. And it's a, it's a really wonderful opportunity that we have to work with uh, just some really great kids. And... Uh, It's an exciting place to be, and really one of the reasons we wanted to be downtown, um, I think for some of the same reasons that, um, as I've talked with Gabe and others in your community, part of the reason why you wanted to be downtown is we wanted to be in the city, and we wanted to be where there's so much energy and where there's um, uh, so much opportunity for building community. Mm. I had an opportunity and was very uh, fortunate to participate in the conference at the Brookside uh, campus back in spring talking about flourishing communities and I was really inspired and and motivated by uh, the conversations and the dialogues and just the vision that was presented in in some of the presentations that I was able to to attend this idea of creating flourishing communities and it, uh, it paralleled a lot of the same reasons why we wanted to be downtown We wanted our students to be exposed to the arts, to the civic organizations, to the historic uh, center of our city. And it's something that we've really been able to do this year. Uh, Our students, uh, we're just two and a half blocks from the Central Library. And every week, each one of our classes goes to the Central Library. And it's the best library in the metropolitan area. And they have an outstanding children's museum. And our kids are there every week. Uh, partaking uh, in that resource. We use Barney Alice Plaza as as our uh, site for our recess every day. Our students have been to sculpture installations downtown. Uh, The art teacher took them out for a unit on architecture. They were walking around the city drawing the buildings downtown. What better resource? Uh, On election day, our students walked a few blocks and observed a polling place, our first graders. Um, So just a you know, a few block walk and getting that great exposure to our, um, to the civic fabric of our country. And so, um, we're excited to be downtown uh, because of the resource that downtown is and the opportunity that it has for our students. We've also been very embraced by the downtown community, and that's been a real uh, exciting piece of it for us. Uh, and, in fact, in answer to the second part of the question of, of how can you support us, uh, simply put, you already have in, in so many ways. I recognize many faces from our uh, very early days. Last August, we had a... Uh, uh, Gabe and I have uh, commiserated on this as well. The challenges of getting a building renovating an old building, <laughs> getting it ready for for new years but we had uh, we had a heck of a time getting our building ready to open last September fourth, and we had scores of volunteers in there painting, cleaning, and preparing that building and I recognize many faces uh, of all of you who who joined us for those times. Uh, Allie has been one of our uh, great volunteers, is our uh, lead photographer on so many occasions. (laughs) Jeannie Lucas in your community uh, worked with us in preparing a video for the school, which has been outstanding for us. So in so many ways, you're already involved. We have lots of opportunities for people to volunteer at the school. And uh, volunteers are an essential part of the fabric of our community and helping us achieve more than what we would be able to do. Uh, if, if we were just relying on, on those of us on staff. So we're thrilled to be downtown. We're thrilled to have other neighbors uh, and community members who see that same vision of a thriving uh, community, and uh, we welcome uh, all the, the support that you've given us, and thank you for all of that.
4: Uh, Thank you for having me here today. Uh, This space is really beautiful. I especially love the ceiling. I think it's so cool. (laughs) Um, I've kind of known about your story for a while. Gabe and I have become friends through his involvement on the downtown council, and we meet at Chipotle pretty regularly, (laughs) and uh, uh, he updates me on everything that you guys are doing, so um, I work for the downtown council, uh, we're a non-profit organization that, that really partners with a lot of the organizations up here to uh, make downtown a thriving um, Not just business center, but neighborhood. Uh, this has Become a great neighborhood. I live here. I live up the street at 9th in Baltimore and um, We estimate that we probably have about 20,000 residents right now and so we're working really hard to increase that, and working really hard on bringing the streetcar downtown, and and helping um, the needy by bringing them um, uh, s- uh, services through the community kitchen that we um, help build and develop at Eighth and Paseo. So we're we're involved in a lot of different aspects of downtown, and and really um, just wanting to make this a great place to live, a great place to do business, and continue to, um, uh, support it as the center for arts and culture and entertainment in our entire region. So, um, the second question about how can you be a good neighbor, I, I really agree with what Susie said in that, I mean, as I thought about this question, I'm like, wow, you guys already are a good neighbor. I mean, for someone that, um, loves the city, uh, the way that I do, it, it means a lot to me to see a church that um, was located in the suburbs choose one of their new locations to be downtown. Um, that that speaks um, a lot to to you guys and to the importance that you place on the city and and the compassion that you have for the city. Because there's a lot of, um, I think. People in places that that still don't have that compassion for the city so it's cool to see that you guys do and um, I know that you guys have been involved in um, work days with the Crossroads and helping Crossroads Academy open and um, helping to serve those who are in need around us and I know you plan on being a part of First Fridays and so I would just say, and, and also reaching out to the downtown residents, actually, through your events at Christmas Eve and, and mm-hmm. even inviting them to this. Like, um, that's, that's great, and I would say just continue to do that, because that is very meaningful to, to those of us that um, have such a heart for downtown.
5: So. Good, morning. Good morning. It's so nice to see you all, and, and I will say thank you so much for inviting me to be a part of this celebration God. today. You bet. I really do appreciate it. Uh, the work of the Arts Council of Metropolitan Kansas City, our, our mission is to advance and support the arts for the benefit of the Kansas City region. We believe that the arts are a public good. Mm. And we believe that uh, everybody is benefiting from the arts and in uh, two primary ways. One, the arts are an economic engine So the more galleries and the more theaters and the more places that we have to interact with the arts, to take part in the arts, to participate, um, the more we create uh, an environment, uh, a community, that uh, engages people and that brings people together. Uh, We believe that the arts are one of those magnets, if you will, for a neighborhood. Mm -hmm. That they can encourage tourism and they can encourage development. And in fact, if you look at the numbers, the economic impact for the arts direct expenditures with no multiplier effect is $273 million here in the uh, five county region. So over a quarter of a billion dollars. And 237 million in payroll, or basically it turns into 8,346 jobs, full-time jobs. So we know that the arts are an economic driver and we've got a great example of that actually in practice and you're sitting right in the middle of it. Right, right here in the crossroads. For those of you who have been around for a while, like I have, I came here in 1984, and I can tell you when I was downtown, there was nothing going on. (laughs) Yeah, it was, you could watch the tumbleweeds blow down the street, especially during the weeknights. And now you look around and you see all this vibrancy, and you see all these people. And you recognize that so much of that has actually been driven by the arts. The arts have been a really important part of the revitalization, uh, particularly here in the neighborhood for the crossroads. But is now, it's actually, it's very exciting because now that's spreading. We're seeing that happen in other places around the region. In Independence, along the Inglewood Corridor, in North Kansas City, along the uh, Oak, uh, Oak Street Trafficway, in Gladstone, out in Lee's Summit, with their downtown. But the other way that the arts benefit all of us is that the arts truly are a way of building community. They are a way of bringing people together. In so many ways, the arts venues, whether it's the Kaufman Center or the fish tank, right, or the off-Broadway space, those are the living rooms of the community. Those are the places where we all gather, where we all come together. And in that coming together, we begin to build social capital. We begin to connect. We began to uh, learn from each other. The arts are this great tool for learning from each other. Because when you experience the arts, you get to see the world from someone else's point of view. You get to see the world from somebody else's, um, the way that they might see the world. And if you think about a really great piece of artwork, that great piece of artwork helps you connect with somebody else. The arts are a way to bridge the gaps between, I would say, gender and social class, race, race. They are a great unifier in our community. And they really, truly do bring us together. I see this day in and day out in my work. And to answer the other question that you had in terms of um, what you all can do, and I would, not talking necessarily from the Arts Council's point of view, but from my own personal point of view, I would say the greatest gift that all of you bring that's connected with the arts is your gift of creativity.
2: Hmm.
5: If you think about it, Human beings are these amazing creation machines. Think of all the stuff we make, right? We just create lots and lots of stuff. From what is formless, we create form. And if you look around in our world, you can see that during the the time that we've been on this earth, we've created lots and lots of stuff. Some of it good, some of it not so good. But we still created many, many things. I meet a lot of people who say, you know, I'm not very creative. you know, I, I, I don't, you know, don't dance, I don't sing, I don't draw, right? But I would say to you that actually each and every one of you has an obligation to bring your creativity to the table. Because it's through that creativity, it's through you reimagining, reinventing, rethinking yourselves, that you truly can be a true asset to the community. And your interaction with the arts is one of the ways to do that. I believe that actually the arts community is one of the strongest problem solvers here in our community. That if we can bring the artists together to help look at all the different issues that we have to work with, that they're an important part of solving those problems, of being a part of the community to help solve those problems. So I ask each of you to think about your own creativity, your own ability to reimagine, to reinvent yourselves. And to be a part of the arts community so you can be part of the solution in our
0: community.
2: Good morning. My name is Martin Okbareke.
0: I didn't try it because <laughs> <laughs> I knew I was going to butcher it. So That's I was like, okay. I knew you were going to say it, Martin, when you got to it. Because I've tried so many times and I've messed it up so yes, many times. Um,
2: I'm originally from Nigeria and I currently work with the Jewish Vocational Service that was established in the late 1949 to assist Jews coming out of Europe, victims of the Holocaust. But today, we are proud to say that we serve all individuals with barriers to employment, acculturation challenges, Mm -hmm. and we are very pleased to be in this district. Um, One of the things I tell people about JVS is we are a mini United Nations. What we do here in this area is we bring a kind of vibrancy that you wouldn't see elsewhere. We are also dynamic and all-inclusive. We serve people from Somali, Burundi, which is, some of them came from, as a result of the conflict in Rwanda, and then we serve people from Iraq, uh, Afghanistan, Eritrea, any part of the world that there is crisis. So in this, being in this area, when you walk down the street, you'll be pleased to see people from all walks of life, all nationality, speaking different languages, just like in the Tower of Babel. But the <laughs> difference is that in speaking those languages, they all have suffered. They've all fled conflict, wars, that occurs through no fault of theirs so we are truly blessed to be in america we are truly appreciative of what opportunity america offers to everyone from any any part of the world and using myself as an example when i first came to the united states i prided myself as speaking fluent english but lo and behold most people couldn't understand me and of course (laughs) And of course, when I started hearing English, like, how y'all doing? What's up? (laughs) And I said to myself, is that English? (laughs) But today, I know that it's English. So, in being in this community, we have tried to impress it upon our clients that, yes, they are from different parts of the world. Yes, they suffered so many tribulations, so many personal persecutions, but here they have an opportunity not only to improve their lives, but also to improve the lives of their families back home. Not only to talk about the services they receive here in JVS, but to tell the story of America. We believe that the best uh, adverts that the United States can give to the rest of the world in changing mindset, in changing propaganda against and biases against the United States is through human beings. When we have folks here call their people back home and talk about how America offers them food stamp, how America offers them opportunity to get employed, how America brings them in regardless of their religion, you know, and then teach them on how to do things for themselves and be all they can be, the U.S. Army.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, so... Being in this community, we have used that as a way to show people that the U.S. is a great place to be. And as Christians, that the greatest love we can show each other is to lead and show and and exhibit the kind of love that Christ would like us to show. I tell people that, look, it's good to preach Christ but if you preach Christ and your action says otherwise, then you have defeated the goal. Mm-hmm. So by showing love to people from different cultures, different religions, you are preaching Christ. And that is how you can get involved. JVS has opportunity for volunteers, for mentors. Because when you have Americans mentor a refugee family that doesn't speak English, visit them in their homes and bring them to their houses, take them around the city, Show them various places of interest, like the zoo, uh, the plaza, the numerous soccer pitches in Overland Park, where some of our refugees have said, wow, I've never seen so many soccer fields in one place. (laughs) So by doing that, you are living Christ. So that's the way you can get involved. And I am so honored to be here, and I'm glad that your church is here. So in one of those days when I feel overwhelmed with work, I can come down here and say a little prayer for the district, for the nation, and for the world. Thank you.
0: Well, I just want to say from all of us, thank you so much for your leadership in the city, for the good work you're already doing for our city. And as a token of appreciation, uh, we've got some gift bags for you. Ooh, you know, this is, what's in the bag, right? Well, it's, it's, a, it's a reusable grocery bag, one, you know, eco-friendly. It's got our name plastered all on, over it, so, you know, sorry if you don't want that, but that's on there. And, uh, and we've got a book in there that's great about uh, how work matters, uh, written by our senior pastor, Tom Nelson. And also, here we go, Crossroads, we have a artist, Susan Lordy, um, who actually has, yeah, a workspace here in the Crossroads. We have a thank you box in there that yeah. is from her design here in the W. Lofts. Um, so, would you, while they're returning to their seats, would you just once again give them a round of applause for the work they're doing and <laughs> for being
4: here with us? Thank
0: you. Thank, you. Thank, you. Thanks, Dave. thank you. Well, we've heard a lot and absolutely wonderful things that are happening in our city, the what is happening in our city, but there's still a critical question we need to ask. And and as a celebration, many times people have different perspectives. Okay, what's a celebration? A celebration isn't just looking back. It's not just looking back at where we've been and where we are, but it's also looking forward and getting excited about where we're heading, right? This is also a time for celebration. And for us, we need to not only ask what's happening in our city, but be reminded as to why it's important for us to be involved in our city. This could be all great and good. If we're not motivated to do anything, it's just information, right? All the what's in our lives are always motivated by the why's in our lives. The because always motivates the cause. So as a faith community in Jesus Christ, I'm just going to spend a few minutes reminding us, encouraging us, and guiding us in the why which flows from God's word As a community centered in Jesus Christ. So, would you follow along with me in Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 4 through 7? And it'll be up here on the screen for all of you to follow along if you do not have a copy of the Bible with you. The passage reads Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce, take wives and have sons and daughters, take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage, that they may bear sons and daughters, multiply there and do not decrease, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare, you will find your welfare. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, I think one of the most vulnerable positions, and so thankful for Martin being here with us. I'm still not confident enough to say your last name, Martin. (laughs) Um, It's so great to have Martin here, and and to highlight one of the most vulnerable positions in our world is to be a refugee, or a synonym that we see here in Scripture, an exile. Uh, I remember when I was in Chicago for seminary, I was connected with a Christian organization called Exodus World Service, and they focused in specifically on helping refugee families get acclimated. My job, if I chose to accept it, uh, was to, to be a friend to a family. I mean, you're, just a, you're, you're a volunteer friend, which is really fun. You don't have a ton of responsibilities. You're just there. You talk to them about their experiences. You're there as a, a shoulder to cry on or a helpful hand to navigate. And I remember the family that I was connected with was from Myanmar during all the, 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 the unrest in Burma at the time. And they had three little kids little to no goods, and, and pretty much no English whatsoever. And being a part of this team, we were to help them get acclimated to this new culture while also retain who they are uh, from, from Myanmar, from Burma. And as an exile, you feel like you're stuck in between two worlds. You feel like y- there's a part of you that's, that's, that carries with you into a brand new situation. And we've all had those moments where we felt like the outcast where well, we felt like an exile. It may have been the first day you stepped into a new school and you're the new student. It may have been the first day on a new job. It may have been the first time you went to your spouse's family reunion, right? Or the first day you moved to a brand new city. Um, all of these factors, we felt that outcast feeling, like we don't belong. There's something who we are stepping into a brand new world we didn't know existed. Well, the people of God, they've always worn this title, As exiles throughout the pages of scripture and throughout the history of God's working in his people they've many times been called exiles and those who follow Jesus Christ we proclaim Jesus as king which sets us apart God became human in the person of Jesus he lived the perfect life he died on a cross and then rose again three days later And we now find our identity first in his work on the cross, but now in his coming kingdom, our ethics are transformed as we live out in this world. But we still live in cities. We still have families. We still have jobs. God's kingdom has not come in its fullest sense yet. And we still have our names on deeds to loss, you know? We're we're stuck in between two cities. We're exiles. We're refugees, as the apostle Peter says in one of his letters. And just like any refugee that comes to the United States, We can't just sit on our duffs and see what's happening in the city and not get involved, can we? And here in our text, we see two reasons why. Two reasons why we should get involved in what's happening in our city. The first is because God has sent you here for the good of your city. He's purposed that. And then secondly, because your good is intimately linked with the good of the city. Both of those factors we see show up right here in God's word this morning. So let's unpack both of these two reasons quickly. First, why do we care about the city? Because it's critical to why God has us here. You see, we see in our text that God's people in ancient Israel, they're taken out of Jerusalem into Babylon. They were forced to be there. This wasn't a decision of theirs. This wasn't like there was a new job opportunity in Babylon, and you know, everybody's like, Oh, it's time to move. Um, no. <laughs> King Nebuchadnezzar brought the nation or the, the people of, of Judah and brought them over to Babylon as exiles, as a people who are still God's people, a part of the nation of Israel, but now in a strange land, trying to navigate life. And who is it that brought them? God says, ultimately, it wasn't King Nebuchadnezzar. What does he say? God says he brought them there. Look at verse four again, if you have your own copies of scripture. To the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem Jerusalem. To Babylon. And in verse 7, seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. Ever since the world fell into chaos, at the dawn of time, God has been on a mission to restore his good world. God is a sending God, and he always is sending his people to the places of his work. And so I ask you this morning why are you in Kansas City? Why are you here this morning downtown? Was it just so happens that you happened to get a job down here? Did it just so happen you got accepted to, to the college that, that, that you longed to get into? Did it just so happen that you were born here and stayed here? No, not ultimately. God could be working through those situations, but God has brought you here. He has purposed to have you sitting in these seats, even right now this morning in downtown Kansas City, Missouri. You didn't just happenstance to get that promotion. You didn't happenstance just to get that, that uh, acceptance letter or that flyer or get invited this morning. God is working even behind the scenes because he's excited to seek the good of his city, seek the good of his broken world, that it might be restored as he designed it to all the way back at the dawn of time. Sometimes we can get so consumed, right, with what's me and what's mine that we forget that the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is the God of the world. And sometimes he calls his people into uncomfortable and sometimes costly situations for the good of others, for the good of a city and ultimately then for the good of us. And so this morning we see that, yeah, God has sent you here, but he hasn't sent you here just to survive either. God's promise throughout his world or throughout his word that he will protect and care for his people. And so what has he called us here to do? Not to survive, but to serve. Not to survive, but to serve. He calls his people in verse seven to seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you. Not barricade the walls, stock up the, you know, the food for the bomb shelter. No, it's not about, you know, cloistering in. It's about going out. One of the most common translations of a key word we find here, this word welfare, is actually the Hebrew word shalom. And we see it translated as peace. But it's much more than just the absence of discord. It's holistic flourishing. It describes wholeness and prosperity in every facet. Of our existence. So, what does that look like, right? Well, seeking the shalom of the city means that where there's economic brokenness, we seek to be thoughtful in bringing about sustainability and flourishing. Where there is social brokenness, we seek to bring about forgiveness, reconciliation, and community flourishing. Where there is spiritual brokenness, as the church of Jesus Christ, we proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior of all, that one day every knee will bow and every tongue confess that He is Lord. I mean, when you look in our passage, what are the people called to do in this foreign land as exiles? You see building houses, planting gardens, cultivating healthy families, praying for the city. And, and they do all this remembering that they're God's people. They don't forget who they are. And if you thought you could get away with just doing these things, sometimes we go, ha, well, I don't do any of those things. I'm not gonna build a house. I'm not a green thumb gardener. Uh, God's called me to be a single, um, so this kind of excludes me. Well, not, not really. Verse seven says, seek its welfare. It's this holistic approach and it challenges us no matter where we are. You see, wh- I wanna talk to the kids in here for a second. When you're playing hide and go seek, when you're playing hide and go seek, do you just sit at the table after you're done counting and instead of seeking people out, you just wait for people to pop out of their hiding spaces? Is that what you do? No, right? You go looking, you go seeking. We use our creative energy to turn over every rock, go behind every bush that we might find how we can spread the welfare, the prosperity, the shalom of God amidst our city. It's not just in these avenues. These are examples given to us. As the people of God were called to use this creative energy to make Kansas City a prosperous and beautiful place to be. You can't sit here with your eyes closed. We have to get up. We have to be involved. We have to go and look. And this is why God has brought you here. But that's not the only reason. We look at the second reason that that God has called us to be about the city is because our good is intimately linked up with the good of the city. Look at verse 7. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. And pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. Um, When a city is, is experiencing shalom, its residue, it gets all over everything. I mean, the whole place is damp with shalom. But when when brokenness is there, the shrapnel seems to find every nook and cranny, right? brokenness is experienced all over the place whether we're in a comfortable situation or experiencing economic plight or what have you brokenness it's spread throughout and a decent while back now when i was in college some of you are like oh it wasn't that long ago (laughs) um and uh (laughs) don't let the baby face fool you um i was a i was a part of a smaller ministry it was about 20 students and we would get together for what was called jeremiah project you know it's named after the the book of the Bible that we're in this morning. And we would get together on Friday nights to do what? (laughs) We would pray. Like, oh man, that sounds fun. We would get together (laughs) in a church and we would pray. Pray for this community called Springfield, Ohio. It was a broken community. And after we spent time, about an hour or so in prayer, we'd go out at about 9.30 on the streets in groups of five. Um, These very overconfident college students at this time Not all college students are this way, but I apparently was. And what we came across wasn't pretty. On a regular basis, we would come across domestic violence situations. We'd come across people who were stoned out of their minds or drunk, and just utter brokenness, weeping on the sidewalks. We'd come across hurting people, trapped people, people who were lost in their lives. The community of Springfield, Ohio, it was an abandoned city. It was a place where those who had the resources, they got out as soon as they could. And those who didn't have the resources became a part of the black hole of brokenness that sucked them deeper and deeper down. Well, I remember walking down the sidewalk with a few others and I came across this guy. He was leaning on his fence. And uh, I asked him, I said, hey, can I pray for you? I'd love for you to know about Jesus. He's died for you and he's made a way that you might know God and know the life he's called you to. And he goes, yeah, I know Jesus. I believe in Jesus, but I feel trapped. I believe in Jesus, but I have to sell marijuana so that I can get food for my kids on the table. I've been in prison multiple times. It's really hard to get a job with my rap sheet. Um, So I was just curious, what do you think I should do? I'm 19 years old. And I honestly don't think he was being a smart aleck. I think he was genuinely having a conversation with me. And thoughtfully, just trying to ask the question and brainstorm. Um, And as a 19-year-old, I just said, I have no idea. (laughs) I don't know. And I just felt broken. I prayed with him as we left. That's what I had to offer at that time. But when I found time alone after that experience, I went back to my room and I just wept. It broke me. And this is one of those key experiences in my life where it opened my eyes to some of the texts of Scripture that I just glanced over. Because it, it didn't necessarily appeal or uh, apply to me. I had a pretty good life growing up. I wasn't in that same situation of just dire straits that this gentleman was. And we found, I found passages like Jeremiah 29, which call for a holistic approach to a community where God's placed us, where we can't just cloister ourselves, but we go out in mission, with prayer, and with holistic outreach, and using the gifts that God's given us, whether in our vocations or in other avenues of partners within our city, to really seek the flourishing of our city. You see, as God's people, he's called us to love this city to life because when this city is thriving, when the vulnerable and the voiceless are not only heard, but they're preferred, when, when the education systems in our city are more concerned about the the education of our students rather than the flourishing of their institution. When, when, When we find that artists are enabled to create the beautiful windows into deeper thought that they've been gifted to do. When we find that families are centered on Jesus and flourishing rather than fighting and community members choose to disadvantage themselves for the sake of the city. When a city's thriving like this, we're thriving, aren't we? This is wisdom. This is what God is revealing. And doesn't that sound like a city you want to be a part of? Doesn't that be a a part of, isn't that a city that you you want to move in? You want to get, because your property values are going to go through the roof, right? If we get real, right? Um, (laughs) God has us here because he sent us here for the good of our city. But he also is revealing that our good is intimately linked with the good of our city. And I was talking with my wife about this last night. I frequently, she's extremely wise, And beautiful. And um, we were talking about it, and she goes, well, that sounds really selfish. You seek the good of the city so that you get, you know, you you get your upcomings, you know, you you do better. And I said, that's a really good point. And the more I thought about it, the reason that God has to point this out is because we don't know what's good for us. Many times we think that if we just worry about ourselves, cloister ourselves, build up our bank accounts, isolate ourselves from community, that's what's good. We're finally, we've made it. We're excited. This is the life we've been called to. But then when we get there, we feel just as empty and as broken. But instead, when our city flourishes, when we're actually involved where God's called us to be, we, we choose to focus on others, it actually is for our good. We just don't naturally see it that way many times. And so God's pointing out to us, hey, look, you guys, you many times don't know what's even good for you. Let me point, as I've created you and designed you to flourish hear me out when you seek the good of your city your good's intimately linked in with that so realize that when you're seeking the good of others it's going to come back it's going to hit you in good ways and i think as we seek to live out our calling we need to do so with an appropriate perspective with a hopeful realism this is a phrase we use all across christ communities campuses and and i think in terms of being realistic We need to remember that many times we're a part of the problem rather than a part of the solution. We come with an element of humility and listening to those who are active in our community first. We also many times just get overwhelmed by the slightest element of work that we have to do. Or we get impatient that what we long to see happen doesn't happen in a day. It doesn't happen in a month. It doesn't happen for years. And so we need to rest in God's grace that in the midst of our broken world until God returns in Christ... We can only create windows into what will be until God returns and renews the world as he designed it to be in Christ. And yet, we also come with hopeful perspective because we know another city is coming, right? We sing at times, and we will this morning, greater things are yet to come. Greater things are still to come in this city and we're hopeful that one day God will do in us and in his world what he has already begun to do in the resurrected body of Jesus Christ. As we read the final book of scripture, the book of Revelation, we see at the center of this new created world, this recreated world, is a city and it's beautiful. It doesn't have power. It doesn't even have the sun. So KCP&L becomes power and light embodied you know, in God as he's there for his people the source of all that we need, revealing and encouraging a community that's outstanding, the best city we can ever imagine. You see, God's city is the only city in human history who will ever never experience oppression because every tongue, tribe, and nation will be there. God's city, it doesn't flatten human culture, but it brings it to its fullness. And the world as it is today, it still responds to diversity many times in oppression, right? But not so in God's city. In God's city, it responds in worship before our almighty God. Jesus, the Prince of Peace, this Prince of Shalom, will bring shalom to the whole world, to every square inch, so that such that dissension and brokenness will be no more. This is what we look forward to. We have a hopeful realism as to why we push into the city and we connect with our partners for the good of our city.